What advice would you offer to people that are a little hesitant to talk religion in the workplace, uh, just a little scared to just even bring it up, uh, maybe don't want to display a Bible on their desk for fear of offending someone or whatever it may be? What advice could you offer any of those folks? Everybody, welcome or welcome back to another episode on Simsation Nation. Today's subject can be a little squishy, a little touchy, but I am going to talk about religion in the workplace. I know that is something that is kind of one of those topics where it's kind of like, uh, I don't know, should I jump in, double dutch, I don't know, should I say something, should I not? Uh, it's something that I've actually struggled with. Um, it's been a very commonly known thing for me that I did not talk race, politics, or religion in the workplace. Those were three subjects I always stayed away from because number one, I didn't want you to look at me or judge me differently based on my views and my values. Number two, I didn't want to look at anyone and judge them any differently based on their views or values. So uh, my original plan was I don't want to talk about it in the workplace at all. Those views changed uh, a couple of years ago when I had a job that was extremely open. Uh, everyone in there was from various walks of life. We were able to talk about various things. And at the end of the very first conversation I had with that group of folks, I walked away going, I, may not, I might not have changed their views or they may not have changed mine, but we all walked away with a better understanding and more respect for each other's views. And once I saw that, I was like, man, that's never happened to me before. So I changed my I changed my philosophy a little bit. And I felt like not talking about things like that was not going to help anyone. So I created my topic, religion in the workplace. Now it's kind of like, boom, who do I bring on to talk about this topic? And boom, it dropped on me like a freaking bomb. Uh, this gentleman I'm about to bring on, we have a whole lot of history together. Back when I was a young enlisted member and he was just a young airman, uh, he was the, the one that was kind of being the leader of all the other folks that, that were in his charge. Uh, lots of two-way mentorship going on and Ironically enough, we stayed in touch. Interesting enough, I was in Africa deployed. He was in Africa deployed. He later became an officer too. I was able to commission him as an officer. And here he is today now serving as a chaplain in the United States military. What a freaking journey. So ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, I am ex super excited to announce Terry. Terry Owens, welcome to the show. Thank you, Henry. Honored, honored to be here, brother. It's been a good journey, hasn't it? It has. It has been an amazing <laughs> journey. It has been an amazing journey. And you know, the best thing about journeys is the 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 people that you get to encounter, the people you get to have the journeys with. And I think that's absolutely amazing. So so with that, uh, I already kind of spilled the beans a little bit. You're, you're now a chaplain. Amazing, crazy journey. Crazy in a good way. Uh, first of all, Wow. <laughs> tell, tell everybody very quickly how we really know each other. And here, well, I came in August of 2005. I remember 
I was in the delayed entry program. I was getting ready to graduate high school, finished up my summer. And I remember I, I got a call. It was, I don't know, it was Monday or Tuesday, but it was, it was August 30th, 2005. And my recruiter asked me, he said, hey, how soon can you be ready? I got a job for you. It's ground radar maintenance, which was number two on my list. And I, I jokingly said, well, give me to tomorrow. And my recruiter said, well, I need you on the bus in two hours if you want this job. And so I, I had this internal struggle. Not really. I knew ultimately <laughs> I was I was I was coming in the Air Force and I, I called my pops, called my dad and, and, and told him I had a job available and called. I was working at Texas Roadhouse and a place called the Kettle in uh, Jacksonville, North Carolina. And uh, and I knew it was time. So my uh, my pops was able to take me up to, to MEPS simultaneously. August 2005, Katrina is going on. In, in, in different parts of Louisiana, Mississippi. So I, I, I enlisted August 31st, 05, uh, completed boot camp in, in October. And October 31st, 2005, I showed up at Keesler Air Force Base, Mississippi, where I would spend the next 11 months uh, learning how to do my original craft in the military, ground radar maintenance. And I show up and none other than is this, this flit, fit, trim, a uh, young man, uh, Staff Sergeant Henry Sims, he had this blue rope on, right, commending, respect, man. He had a voice that would carry for, for miles, man. It, it just, <laughs> he, was, he was something else. So, so Henry Sims was, was my military training leader, uh, one of a few of them. And uh, that's how we met for the first time, Henry. We had some, uh, some great times there at uh, Keesler, didn't we? Facts, facts, man. There's, I'll tell you what. Uh, you know, they say people come into your life for a season or a reason. And uh, no matter what, uh, no matter what we do, no matter what ventures we are on, um, bottom line is, you know, the people, the people are the constant, it's always consistent. And you know, you just never know. You always have to make sure that you treat people with respect uh, because there will be an opportunity where you stumble across somebody unexpectedly, like for a CPR class and you never know. Someone's walk. You walk in, and that person that is there teaching that CPR class in, in a complete on a completely different continent, which is absolutely insane. So, listen. Obviously, uh, you have had a very interesting career, kind of similar to mine. You've taken the scenic route. How, how did you become an officer? Like for the people that are listening, maybe there's some enlisted folks um, that are that are watching or listening. How did you become an officer? That's a great question, Henry. And this is going to feed into ultimately why I became a chaplain. So let me Quentin Tarantino this. Let, let me take you back uh, to April 4th, 1997. This journey of me becoming an officer uh, had a lot to do with my faith, first and foremost. So April 4th, 1997, my, my brother, my sister, and I, we were all sitting around my my grandmother's house, and uh, and she'd invited her pastor over uh, to share with us uh, what, what, what I now know is that it's called the good news of the gospel, right? She shared to us based on what, what the, the, the Holy Bible ha has to say on who Jesus was, what he did for us uh, when he was live, how he, how he lived for us, how he died for us, and how he is resurrected from the grave. And, and as a, as a nine-year-old, as much as I could comprehend that, that really resonated with me. So that night I was introduced to, to, to Jesus. And I say I was introduced because I would like to say that I've been living and serving and, and really truly rooted in my faith since then. But that wasn't the case. You know, there, there was oftentimes I was weaving in and out. And uh, the good book I follow talks about being lukewarm. I was half in, half out. But ultimately, that seed that was planted in me whenever I was nine years old stuck with me. So after I enlisted, Henry and I had some time together. Uh, I served, uh, it was about nine or 10 years. And I remember showing up 
to uh, to Honduras, we have a a small Air Force detachment that's assigned to Sotocano Air Force Base, along with uh, some Army personnel and Sotocano Army personnel. And I was I was going I was going through it, Henry. I remember I was working on not my first but my second divorce. I was. I was rocking a 39 inch waist, sucking in. I barely passed my PT test coming in there mm. and I was just at, at rock bottom. And I had to really had to have a come to Jesus with, with my life, with my career, mm. with my commitment to, to Christ. Oh, sorry about that. That's all good. That's all good. You know, when you're trying to speak the good word, somebody will try to get in there and intervene and, and, and turn the out. lights on you. Yeah. That's okay. That's okay. We, we, we the, let, there, let there be light right now. Amen. Amen. There's going to be the automatic light. So, so if you see me doing this from time to time, I'm just trying to, yeah, it's all part of it. That's right. So down in Honduras and, and, I, and I'm working through all, all these issues that I've had, my, my, my weight gain, my, my, my failed marriages, where, where I'm truly at in life, my, my career that's kind of stagnated a, a little bit missed. Uh, I was already an NCO, but my, my, my promotion was kind of slowing, you know, from CRM and below the zone uh, to promoting early to E4 to E5. And now it was kind of slowing. And so as I'm, as I'm walking through this and I remember, going into uh, the, the base chapel and I had someone come up to me and I like to, I like to call it, they did for me. They, they read my mail mm. and they came to me and without uh, I sort of them being a CIA agent came, came up and, and, and just said, Terry, you're dealing with this, 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 this. And, and it was all true. And it mm. was not like, it was the, the days of MySpace before Facebook where you can really, you know, get to know people at that kind of level. But, uh, this, uh, this brother, I'll, I'll never forget what he said to me. And it was at that time in my, my spiritual journey, I, I began to kind of uh, repent and just let go of everything that was going on. And I had an honest conversation with God. I said, hey, if you will, if you will still use me, I know I've done a lot of things messed up, but I will I will work for you. And so I started putting in the work. And, and it was in 2013 that I really put hands to the plow and I started working on my bachelor's degree. And I had it done in about two and a half years from the mm. time I started. And so once once I got to 2015, I was finishing my, my bachelor's degree. Uh, I, I was fortunate enough to lose a bunch of weight, uh, meet an amazing woman named Cassandra that I'm now married to. And we just hit seven years back in nice. Lot, nice. lots of in and out of that as I kind of come out, as I started to, to rebound from from that period of my life, I, I realized I had this bachelor's degree. And, and typically in the Air Force and other branches as well, if you have a degree, you have an invitation to apply to become an officer. That's one of the, the minimum requirements. And I was like, you know what? I, I know that, that God called me to work for him. But in the interim, let me throw my name in the hat for this officer thing, because it, it was then I recognized as I, I've had all these things happen. I have a chance to make an impact. Mm. And it, it, to me, I had this this mentality. If I become an officer, I can transition from being a pebble to a boulder, right? Mm, you throw a mm. pebble in, in, in the lake, you know, it just makes a couple ripples, right? You can make an impact. You truly can. You got to throw that pebble hard. But as an officer or boulders, throw yourself in, into the mix. And when that boulder hits, it truly, it doesn't just ripple, brother. Mm. It makes waves. And, and that was kind of my, my heart at the time as I was kind of wrestling with, with my calling on my life. So... Uh, so I threw my name in the hat and and you and I started connecting again at that time. I remember you sent me your your package, Henry, and, and you were selected at, at a time when they were just when that faucet was proverbial and drip and there wasn't a lot of officers coming in. And I got some advice from you and me and, and two other guys in Combat Com. I was stationed at Ranger Center at the time. We all applied together. Uh, we found out uh, I was actually in Djibouti 
for the uh, for the second time, whenever I got the phone call, uh, uh, Tech Sergeant Tech Sergeant Terry Owens, you've been selected to become a United States officer, aircraft maintenance officer. <laughs> and, uh, that's where it started, and then and then you and I met at officer training school in March of of 2017. Mm-hmm. I raised my right hand and you swore me in as yep. a United States officer. Man, those are good memories, man. That just uh, that just all makes me feel all good inside. It's probably because I'm getting old, you know. My my feelings <laughs> get my feelings come back, and so so I already know you. You've always been a, a very godly man uh, who has always made sure that you did your absolute best to to walk the the, the fine and and narrow path through the narrow gate, and to also ensure that those that you came in contact with did the same. So ultimately, uh, dream come true, right? Became an officer, you know, not easy, not something that any and everybody can do. Um, and so I'm almost to the point where it's like, hey, that's the cream on the freaking cake right there, right? But not only did you become an officer and you worked really hard and you did well as a, as a maintenance officer, you need to add another layer of frosting on the cake and you get accepted to be a chaplain. What was that like? I was, again, like, like you said, a dream come true and... I say more than anything, a calling come true. You know, so just to Tarantino it back a little bit. So whenever I was introduced to Jesus, you know, at age nine, about age 10, I remember I was sitting on the front row seat of Blue Creek Baptist Church. And if you grew up in the Baptist community, you understand the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And we feel in from the back, right? That's where we get back row Baptists. Uh, That's where we get that slogan. But I was, it was a Sunday night. I was sitting up front. My pastor, Pastor Terry Henson, was speaking, and I felt like I really felt this resonating uh, voice within me saying, you're going to do that for me one day. Wow. Wow. And as a 10-year-old Henry, you can't really really appreciate that. But that, again, right, the introduction to Jesus and the calling on my life, that was irrevocable. That, That never went away. And so as I, after I commissioned, you know, I I had to continue to have honest conversations with God said, Hey, again, I've done a lot to disqualify myself, but I recognize that, 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 that God calls, I'm sorry, he qualifies the called. He doesn't call the qualified. Mm. So I began to start doing, uh, I started seminary while I was, uh, while I was at Kirtland Air Force Base as a, as a maintenance officer. And, uh, and that was definitely a trying time. Uh, my, my wife and I were expanding our family. Uh, we, we've got a newborn at home. I'm working through seminary. And, uh, and, and as, I, uh, as I finished up my, my time at Kirtland Air Force Base, uh, I remember I was at a men's conference, and it was around this time three years ago. And, and I was at this men's conference, and, um, <clears throat> excuse me, and I remember towards the end of that conference, there was an illustration made, right? And in the, the, the Christian phase, there, there's this mantra, there, there's this constant theme uh, about uh, becoming of live, a living sacrifice, right? Choosing to, in, in the military, we call it service before self, but truly to, to put your wants, your, your desires outside of yourself to do what you were called to do. And I felt like it was at that moment I was reaffirmed my calling uh, to step out into full-time ministry. And I did what, what every wise man should do that's married. I went straight home and I talked to my wife about it. To, to absolutely. Me. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Before you just sign up for, for something. And I, I came, I came home. Uh, my wife was uh, uh, in Clovis, New Mexico at the time. We were getting ready to go into church. And I, and I told her about the, the, the affirmation of the calling. And without a doubt, she said, let's, uh, let's do it. 
And from nice. there, Henry, the, the, the doors flew open. Um, COVID kicked off at the same time. I finished my, my degree in seminary and, and some pastors that we had never met. We were, again, these connections that we talk about, a friend of a friend of a friend connected us. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, this uh, retired Sergeant Major Wade Miller was pastoring in England. And guess where I just got orders to, brother? Oh, gosh. Wow. R.E.F. Mildenhall in, in England. And he called me up and said, and said, Terry, retired Sergeant Major. I'm a bottom line up front kind of guy. I want you to take over as the pastor for me wow. uh, here at Solid Rock Christian Center in England. So uh, I, why does the sheep? I told Cassandra she was on board. <laughs> but uh, that, that door flew open. Uh, we transitioned over to to England in, in 2020. Uh, my wife and I uh, began to to take over co-pastoring and eventually becoming the, the lead pastors of this uh, of this organization, Solid Rock, and uh, and wherever they're getting the the practical experience. And, and for for those, we could talk about a little bit the nuts and bolts of what it takes to become a chaplain. I was mm-hmm. getting my postgraduate ministry experience, so by the time uh, last last April came around, I felt like you know God's knocking on my door. Hey come work for me full time again as a chaplain. Uh, I, I applied in, in April, had my interview in May. I got the call on June the 5th while I was on the, the, the tarmac, leaving a conference in Germany saying, congratulations, you've been selected to become a chaplain. Mm. Uh, July, I received orders and uh, September 27th, I resigned my commission as a maintenance officer and September 28th of, of last year, I showed up at F.E. Warren Air Force Base in Cheyenne, Wyoming to, uh, uh, as a as the Air Force chaplain, you know what I love so much about your Quentin Tarantino version of of your of your story is the What's fact that, that is the fact that you can articulate and recall the dates, the times, the moments so easily of some of the most important and key moments in your life, and I absolutely love that, and I feel that that's a trait that you probably also have to carry on uh, with you as a chaplain in your current position. Because the way that things are today, the current times that we live in, I would imagine there is no shortage of people for you to actually have a positive impact on. I would imagine your job is busy. I would imagine the interactions that you have with people um, are are ample. And so my question is kind of a two-part question. I look at you. Uh, you talked earlier about you know you being uh, at at your worst uh, when it comes to your fitness level when you were at your rock bottom, so on and so forth. And you know, just through the screen, I see your biceps now. You look fit. You know, you're like a a young Stephen Furtick. You know, you're just kind of out there doing your thing. <laughs> you know, you know, you're out there doing your thing. And so, so I bring all that up to say, number one, what is the day in the life of a chaplain? But number two. How do you right? Because a lot of times people don't uh, people don't really necessarily get to pray. Well, I don't say they don't get to. You don't hear about it very much. You don't hear about people praying for the people that do all the praying. Like, how do you take care of yourself and not necessarily remember every single negative thing that someone has brought to you? How do you sleep at night? And what's your day in the life as a chaplain? That's a little questionary, but uh, I'll see if I can tackle it. So to answer the question, there's the first part. There is no average day for a, a chaplain. I'll tell you what, our primary purpose of, of chaplains is, is to be in the trenches. You know, I think about Band of Brothers, right? If you've ever watched that, watched that film series, uh, the epitome 
of the military chaplain is that that Catholic priest, right? Bullets are flying and he is there with his people in, in the trenches and he's going around. A lot of folks have deceased, but he is there with them. So our job as military chaplains is first and foremost to be there with the people and to be there with them in the worst of the worst of times. So my primary responsibility, if someone comes in, they, they've got a need that they need to express uh, what crisis or emergency situation, we drop everything and that becomes the most important thing to be with uh, in the Air Force, uh, but throughout the military, to be with the military member or the family members in the worst of the worst time. Hmm. But, but we do other things. Like I said, we, we go out with, with the unit. We go be present uh, here. That looks like I'm responsible for the mission support group and the medical group. So I'm out there, whatever they're, they're doing. For example, the, the dirt boys who are out shoveling snow. I'll go do ride alongs with those guys. The uh, We call them the MAFO guys, the uh, the guys that make the food out at, at the, the missile sites. Hmm. Uh, going out with, with those guys, uh, the medical group, just walking around the, the clinics and checking on folks. It's being present. Right. Because as you know, Henry, as a leader, one of the most potent tools that we have is leadership by walking around. And the more present you are, the more at people are willing uh, to, to be personal and to, to share with you what's going on in their lives. So those are kind of the, the primary responsibilities. We do other things that you typically, if you've been in the military long, you think of your, your military chaplains. They're the ones doing the uh, invocations and retirements. They're the, the schools that we have. They're doing the invocations and those things. And then so, and, and I talk about, you know, I'm licensed to do two things, uh, Mary and Barry. I prefer to do the first, but I'm also required to do the last. Uh, mm. So grave, whether it's great experiences in life, like uh, like the birth of a child, mm. uh, whether it's a, a, a marriage, walking through people to, to get to that moment, or whether it's a funeral, giving an invocation or providing that that service, that, that's what we do. And everything wow. in between. Wow. And I like to say I'm a, I'm a pastor for, for some, but a chaplain for all. Right. So one of the other things that we do is help people navigate through uh, religious accommodations. So, for example, one of the things that I've done most here is interview people of the, the Norse pagan faith. And although it's not my faith, one of the things I do is work with them to gauge their sin sincerely held belief. And if they're looking for a beard or if they're the Jewish faith, they're looking to wear a yarmulke that's not automatically authorized in uniform or any other any other thing that, that would help a person to express th their faith, I help them through that process uh, to get to a point where they can more actively uh, actively profess their, their faith. Wow. And of course, the, the other things, uh, being a Protestant chaplain, you see the cross on, on my chest. Mm -hmm. So preaching on Sundays at, at the chapel, uh, providing communion and those, the, those kind of sacraments within the Protestant faith, those are the, the, those are the things. But again, the, the most important thing is, is the airmen and, and their family, and I'm here to, to walk with them when they wow. need it. Not an easy job. I mean, I, while you were talking, I just literally just in my brain just thought of the three Bs. It's such a huge spectrum. You got the babies, you got the brides, you got the burials. And 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 neither of those things are the same. And it's like yeah. one day you could be hot, one day you're cold, one day it's it's celebratory, one day it's sad. And and you know, that's a lot, right? Um and I would imagine that, you know, it takes a lot of resilience um, for you as a chaplain to be able to manage all of those things. Definitely have the right person for the job. And I imagine that is something that you have to kind of work through. How has it how has been a chaplain made you as a person better? How has it made you better? Yeah, I'll, I'll answer that question first, but I want to address your, your other one, Henry. Uh, it, being a chaplain absolutely has made me better. But I'll give an example specifically about how how I'm able to. Uh, how I'm able to, to unwind and to untangle that rope at the end of the day. 
uh, before I went on leave, uh, I'll just say in, in broad sense, because when you come to a chaplain, it's 100 percent confidentiality. So, Henry, if you, you said you, you wanted to off your wife, not on live television. Right. But one on one. I can't tell. I can't I can't tell her. I can't tell anyone. Now, I might give her a call and say, hey, you may want to go stay with your mom for a little bit. You know, you may want to go take a vacation. But anything you share with a chaplain is confidential. But in broad terms, I, I had a situation I, I had. Uh, I had the, the happiest and, and the in the saddest moments in the same spectrum in, in the same day. I had someone come and and share that that they wanted to engage in life with, with Christ. So I got to to, to pray with them uh, to receive Christ and to get them on, on that journey of of resiliency and walking in their faith. And in the same day, I had someone come in and, and a close friend had had lost a teenager to suicide. And so you're, you're walking with people and it, it, it's just changing gears in the middle of the day and it's heartbreaking and, it, and it's infuriating and angry. And that, that's a that's a combo for another time, uh, how I feel about those sorts of sorts of things, uh, uh, suicide, depression and anxiety. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you, you can't I'm not I'm not a robot and I'm not God. So I can't just turn the switch off. But before I go home, I always try to hit my knees and, and pray and give it give it to God. That's. That's step one, right? And I live on base, so I only have you know about a five minute drive home. Uh, but I'll message my my wife and tell her, you know, I just uh, I need some time. We get home, and of course, I'll never share names or uh, specifics of the situations. But I'll go to my wife. Uh, she is she is my chaplain, if you will, and and I would encourage anyone in a healthcare kind of profession or any of a helping a caregiver profession, you got to find someone that, that you can download to, because. Otherwise, I equate it like this. You have a bucket of crap that, you know, you continually, whether it's yourself or other people pour into, and eventually that's going to overflow hmm. and that's going to manifest in the, the right end of the spectrum of, of taking your own life, or it's going to manifest that you need other ways to take care of that, like drinking, alcohol, drugs, that, that kind of thing. And man, Henry, we have to find ways to, you know, to, to skim off the top, to, to empty that. And my, my wife is, uh, is that for me and we're able to, to pray about situations and uh, she's able to be there for me. Uh, and that, that's one of the ways Henry, and that leads right into how is chaplain maybe a better person. This has definitely brought me and my wife even closer together than, than, than I could have imagined, you know, uh, all that baggage that I brought into our marriage you know, seven years ago, you know, we, we've been working and navigating through that. But I truly feel like being a chaplain has made me a better communicator. It's made me more empathetic. It makes me more present when, when people walk in my office, you know, but before I was, hey, I'm that, that young guy here. I don't mind, you know, just doing doing this <laughs> now. Put put the phone down. And, hey, if anybody's married, married, guys, put put the phone down, put it on silent, put it away. And I'm able to be present for that one to three hours, however long I'm with somebody. I'm able to be more present with my children and my wife uh, because of that. And it just forces me, as I know you are, Henry, just to be a lifelong learner uh, of specific things that, that make yourself better. And in turn, you can share with others to, to make them better. Wow. Listen, I, I, I just feel better already just from listening to your talk, man. So I'm telling you right now, uh, this has been a positive uh, impact on me. So I'm hoping that it's a positive impact on everybody else as well. So speaking of uh, everybody else. Uh, religion in the workplace. Uh, there may be some leaders, potential leaders, future leaders, current, whatever it may be, um, even followers, uh, peers, superiors, subordinates, whatever title you want to put on it. What advice would you offer to people that are a little hesitant to talk religion in the workplace? 
uh, just a little scared to just even bring it up. Uh, maybe don't want to display a Bible on their desk for fear of offending someone or whatever it may be. What advice could you offer any of those folks? Man, uh, Henry, if you remember when we went through first aid training, if you put yourself back in that environment from what, five, six years ago, remember we have typically three responses carnally, naturally, right? When we come upon a situation, fight, flight, or freeze, right? And my, my encouragement to, to all your listeners today, when it comes to religion in the workplace and, and politics as well in, in race is get rid of the, get rid of the flight and the freeze, right? These are topics that, that are near and dear to all of us. And if we want deep rooted relationships, if we want to fight in the sense that we run towards the storm, right? If we want to be involved in people's lives, we have to be willing to engage in these conversations. We absolutely have to, right? Uh, so my encouragement first and foremost is to have the conversation mm. is to be willing, be willing to share. And so be, being a Christian and a chaplain, uh, you know, a lot of people look at, well, you, you can't proselytize, but you're a Christian, so you're supposed to share your faith. Mm. So how do you do both? And I'll tell all your <clears throat> all your listeners this. The the way in which I, I do this in, in every single conversation, whether it's it's a counseling, whether it's someone I'm out and about in town, always start. You extend the proverbial olive branch. You know, if I want to talk, if I want to have a conversation about religion, first and foremost, let there be light. <laughs> let there be light. Amen. There <laughs> That'll preach. <clears throat> Ask this question or something to the effect. In the military context, I encourage folks to ask this question. Hey, what does your spiritual pillar of resiliency look like? Hmm. And just, just listen. Just listen. Or, hey, do you have any faith? Did you grow up going to church? And just listen to, to, to people's story. Always in, invite them first. Always hmm. what they have to say because you never know what you're going to learn. I've had great – I've learned so much about the Muslim faith, uh, about the Norse pagan faith. I didn't know much about that at all until I got here. Uh, Catholicism. I've been really humbled by some Catholic priests that, that really love Jesus and, uh, and and just all other spectrum, Eastern, Eastern Orthodox, uh, even atheism, why, why they've come to, to that realization decision. After they have shared what they want to share, then ask a follow-up question. Hey, can I share with you what my spiritual pillar looks like? Oh, wow. Can okay. I share with you what, uh, what, you know, what, what keeps me up, what keeps me going, what my resiliency looks like? All right, Simon Simonick. Uh, great book, Start With Why, one of my favorites of all time, uh, talks about going back to that why. And you can bring your why mm. legally and appropriately into conversation when you invite them to share first. Mm. And if the answer is no, the, the answer is no. But I tell you, 98% of the time that I ask the question, someone's willing to share. And after they share, they're willing to allow you to share in return. So we wow. can't shy away from, from that why. We can't shy away because at the end of the day, Henry, our faith, whether you're atheist, agnostic, Christian, Muslim, it's a part of your identity. Mm. You know, for, for me, it is my entire identity, who I am. But regardless, whether it's 1% or 100%, it is a part of who you are. And we shouldn't have to keep that in. Right. We should desire to, to share that, right? That, that should be something that, that we want to share. But it's about doing it with, with mutual mm. respect, mm. right? We start talking about, pulled pork versus brisket, right? I, I want to hear your thoughts about brisket. You know, being a North Carolina guy, I like the pulled pork yep, with the yep. little, little vinegar yep. on it. You know yep. what I'm saying? Yep. 
but we can walk away from that conversation and I, I can maybe sample a little bit and say, you know what, I'm still going to stick with pulled pork. Right. And Henry, you may go back to that brisket and, and that's okay. I'll pray for you. But, uh, <laughs> 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 but at the end of the day, we, we have to be willing to share the things that make us us. And right. we have to go into it with a mindset and the, the mantra that even if, even if my mind's not going to be changed, I'm deeply rooted in this, I'm still going to listen and I'm going to understand. And Henry and I, or whomever you're talking to are going to be a little bit closer now. And we know how to relate to each other. And we know what intrinsically motivate one another. So to all your listeners, Henry, just do it. JDI, just, just do it. Do it. Listen, I'm, I'm about to, I'm about to take this mic right here and just like drop it. Like, I'm just like, that's, that's, that's not, I mean, what more is there to be said? You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm just going to say, first of all, thank you because mentorship goes two ways, right? I know you've highlighted a couple of things, but just being a part of your journey, watching you uh, as a, as a young airman wearing a rope and, and, and learning how to literally be an airman in the air force to uh, literally being present when you find out that you're, you're commissioning uh, and then this going down to commission you as an officer and later uh, promoting you to captain virtually while you were overseas, uh, just to be honestly a fan on the sideline, watching all of those great things happen for you. And I know that, you know, that it's not necessarily for your good per se, but it is for you to actually be a positive impact on others, including folks like myself. So I really want to thank you for sharing your story. I think this is going to help some people. Um, but before I let you go, I have a quick 10 round. What do you prefer question session here for you? Okay. So it's going to be right. real fast. Tell me what you think your preference. So number one, when it comes to pizza, do you prefer fruit or no fruit? No fruit. Is that a, no. a question? <laughs> <laughs> I've heard so many varying opinions. Yep. I just want to make sure this next one, Mr. North Carolina basketball greatness, Michael Jordan or LeBron. I'm going to walk away from that. Michael Jordan. Come on, brother. Oh, this is, this is awesome. This is awesome. When it comes to books, audio or paperback? Audio. Okay. Um, I've, I think I already answered this question earlier in the podcast, but I know you like to stay physically fit. Do you prefer arm day or are you like a leg day kind of guy? Arm day. You see the results right away. <laughs> I'm a That's right. Kind of guy. The swole, the swole chaplain. He was walking around. The chaplain is walking around all swole. You know, you got to have those biceps. You know what I mean? All right, listen. This is a, another good one for you. You know, it's kind of a north-south thing. Do you prefer tea, sweet or unsweet? Growing up, it was sweet, but as I've grown and uh, the, the muffin top tends to put out. <laughs> you defected? Unsweet, unsweet. Oh, yeah. man. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, Communication. You like to communicate. You're obviously a very uh, great communicator. Um, would you prefer texting or do you prefer, hey, pick up the phone and give me a call? I prefer face-to-face, -face, but between the two, phone call. Gotcha. Okay. Number seven, travel. You want to hop on somebody's plane, take a flight, or do you prefer the peace and serenity of a road trip? Flight. Cuts the time in a quarter and a half, especially with uh, three kids and one more on the way. Let's just get there, brother. <laughs> Boom. I like it. Attire. I see that you're wearing a polo. I'm wearing a t-shirt. What's your preference? T-shirt or polo? Usually a t-shirt. Okay. Okay. All right. Number nine. And you can't say yourself. Uh, hero. Superman or, or Iron Man? No, Iron Man. He's more down to earth. Okay. More humble. Okay. Gotcha. And then last but not least, when it comes to music, 
do you prefer digital forms of music or would you prefer vinyl? Digital. Digital. Yeah. Hey, brother, can, can I share one more thing? Absolutely. Uh, the song that, that's just resonating. I, I came, I came to this a while ago. And so whether it's, you know, your, your, your listeners, wherever they're at pursuing their, pursuing their faith, uh, pursuing, uh, their career goals, anything like that. Uh, I came up with this mantra uh, a while ago and, and it goes like this. We have time, money, and energy for the things that are important to us. Everything else just isn't a priority. Hmm. So you just need to be man or woman enough to admit what is a priority and what isn't. Mm. Mm. Man, listen, knowledge bombs. I'm feeling the shrapnel from all these knowledge bombs. <laughs> I, I I love it, you know, and, and so what's going to happen with me is I know what I will be doing is I will uh, replay this, right? When I need that time of, of, of some words of wisdom, uh, some knowledge from an experienced young man like yourself uh, who has walked the walk and talked the talk. So I appreciate you leaving that last bit of nugget um, with uh, the listeners and the viewers. So Terry, it's been an amazing journey watching you. It's been an amazing opportunity to have you on this podcast with some station nation. Um, if you need um, or desire, desire to do so, do you have any methods or means for folks to reach out to you for future advice on anything whatsoever? What's, what's the best way for folks to contact you? Yeah, absolutely. So for, for those in the military, if you look me up on the global, I'm the only uh, captain chaplain, Terry Owens, uh, terry.owens.2 at us.af.mil. Uh, if you want to connect on Facebook, uh, if you look up me and my wife, Terry Cassandra Owens, three words, Cassandra with just one S because she's special. All she needs. <laughs> my, my wife and I also have a marriage platform attached to that a Facebook page called Elite Marriages. You know, that's one of the mantles of my ministries. Since I've had two failed marriages, I want to speak life into marriages. Uh, so that's a way that you can connect at Elite Marriages on Facebook. Or my, my personal email, if you want to connect offline with something else, T Owens, O-W-E-N-S-005 at iCloud.com. Those are the best ways to reach me. You're the man. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it right here. The man, the myth himself. I hope that you gained something from this today. We appreciate you for sitting in with us. Until next time, I'm out. <laughs>